0: Hi, this is Russ Ballard, and you're listening to the Voices of Russ Ballard podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Voices of Russ Ballard. Sven and I are extremely excited this morning, Uh, but it's hello from me, Ian. And me, Sven. Hello. So we've got a guest today uh, who can only be described as rock royalty, really, Um, and... We're very excited to talk to him, aren't we? Uh, another significant link with Russ as well, Sven. Yes, a so significant I think- link with Russell. And yes, I think that Ian is
1: really nervous today. We have a rock and roll icon in our podcast, mm-hmm. a man where I where I wish my voice will be that strong, when well, I'm a little bit older. And I'm now uh, is is superb, super duper, as I would say. Ian, um,
0: can you give me a little hint? Who's our guest today? Okay. well, let's look, let's let's crack on, shall we? It's 10 a.m. in L.A., but it's 6 p.m. in Europe. So it's time for us to play some night games. In fact, it might just take all night long. The eyes of the world are on us, so we have no time to lose. Our guest this morning is part of Rock Royalty and has been one of the most powerful and has one of the most powerful voices in rock history. So meanwhile, back in the garage from his home in Los Angeles, in the California air, let's discover a brave new world. This man is no imposter. This man is Graham Bonnet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> is
1: that alright, Graham? That was good, Ian. That was good. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, a warm welcome to Graham Bonnet, the legend.
2: Welcome. Yeah, that, that was very good. I, I uh, appreciate that. Some nice titles
0: in there. You've got a, a bit of every album I've ever made on it. <laughs> we, we we do our best. Um And I have to say, you're not, you're not looking like the bank manager either. You are looking like a rock star. That's what you and I have in common, by the way. The only difference was I was actually a bank manager, and 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 you were just called a bank manager by one of the best drummers probably ever.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, Cozy. He always used to take, you know, used to take the piss out of me. And uh, oh, I remember going into breakfast one morning, and uh, I was quite a distance from the table where the other guys were sitting. And I thought oh, I'll go and sit down with them. And I heard uh, Cozy go, oh, "There comes the fucking bank manager." <laughs> <laughs> that's what I used to call. I mean, that's okay with me. I, I don't mind because. I know his humor, and uh, you know he—he he didn't mean it in a horrible way. And uh, you know, I'm still the bank manager. I just got out the show, uh, the bath, by the way. I'm kind of stuck down here. I look like I have got real cream on my hair, but it's just wet. So, um, yeah. I mean, he I got used, it and uh, everybody else did too.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: but the I bank manager thing is really was cool. Close. I'm very cool. I'm very cold at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been cold here. It's been very cold. But thank you for saying I'm being very cool because there was a time when uh, to have short hair wasn't cool. But I noticed these days, people are all cutting their hair and shaving their heads and whatever else and piercing everything on their body that they can without dying. And uh, it's just, uh, the world has changed. You know, the, the uh, uniform of uh, heavy metal has changed a bit too, which I'm glad to say. Not too much spandex, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And uh, it's about time, you know, people You were, well, not Brand, up a, a you, you were just ahead of time. You were
1: just ahead of time with short hair. You know, yeah. back in the days, uh, some people called you kind of Don Johnson lookalike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but look, you started with the short hair way before, and we, will, we need to come to this topic later on, before one of my favourite bands did, Queen. They yeah. cut their hair in the early 80s. But... Yeah, yeah. You had short short hair a bit earlier. So where do we start to get this up and running for, for Russ Ballard fans? Um, let's dig into your musical history. And we need to go way back a couple of years. And your first band was the Marbles. Yeah. So you and Tra- Trevor Gordon. Um, yeah. And how did it happen that you... you got in touch with the Bee Gees to, to record uh, the, the, the marble
2: stuff. Well, that that was uh, something. We, we moved to London, and my cousin and I, we we're both playing guitar, and uh, we had Rob Turner, uh, keyboards. Uh, Steve Hardy was playing drums. And uh, we played in this club called the Revolution Club in uh, the West End of London. And we finished the set, and um, this guy comes over to my cousin Trevor and says, Hi, Trevor, how are you? And it was the BG's. Oh, <laughs> thank you very much for the, the Australian accent. Uh, yeah. uh, and it was the BG's <laughs> ex-manager. And um, no. he said, I think, uh, I think the Gibb boys would like to see you. And he gave Trevor uh, Barry Gibbs' number. Um, uh, my cousin went over to see him, like, next day. And uh, Barry said to him, we want to start recording with you again. Trevor, in fact was in the Bee Gees when he lived in Australia, and the, the Bee Gees were there, obviously, too. And it was Trevor Gordon and the Bee Gees. That was the band. So Trevor was the lead vocalist for a while wow. and lead guitar really? So, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's a whole story there, but it goes on forever. And uh, I, I'll get all mixed up because I'm only just waking up. And uh, so what happened was Trevor went over to see Barry, and uh, Barry said, we'd like to start recording with you again. He said, because I see you as kind of the Australian Cliff Richard. And of course, Trevor cringed at that. He didn't like that at all. And uh, he said, well, uh," "Well, my cousin sings also. uh, And that that was me. And he said, my cousin sings also. (laughs) Oh, okay, well, bring him over. So like in a couple of days, I went over there to um, Robert Stigwood's apartment in London. And all the boys were there, you know, uh, Barry, Robin and Morris and uh, Stigwood, of course. And we started singing, singing songs in the, in the uh, living room. And um, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was like a dream. It was amazing. All this harmony. And we, we were singing like Stevie Wonder, a lot of Beach Boys, a lot of uh, Beatles, you know, that kind of thing. And um, Stigwell comes into the room and says, do you have a song for these boys, Barry? That was me and Trevor. And so the song was called Only One Woman, eventually. But he said, I'll think about that and I'll get something together. And within a couple of days, we had uh, that song sort of in the rough, and uh, that was our first single, and it did really well in parts of the world mm-hmm. and in England, obviously. And uh, that's really how I got to meet the Bee Gees, and uh, I thank Bee- for Barry and Robin and Morris for giving me a career, really. If it was. not you stayed. Them, you stayed with them.
1: You stayed with eh? them. When I think about Warm Ride, you you recorded Warm Ride in '78,
3: ish. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was later. That was uh, one of Robin's songs, and yeah. I got a, a cassette tape of that. Remember those? And it was. I, I said to my. I said to our manager, "What's this?" And he said, "Well, it's one of the songs that was going to go into Saturday Night Fever." fever. <speaking in Spanish> mm-hmm. And uh, it was like a, an extra song, I think. It didn't go into the movie, obviously, but um, it uh, was something I didn't. I said, "What? What, what, how's, what is this?" And I said, "It sounds like disco or something." Anyway, Barry got it together. Barry Gibb got it together, put some words to it, and got the melody kind of sorted out. And "Warm Ride" became "Warm Ride," and in fact, uh, it did really well in Australia. Another part it did, of... yes, never in England.
1: And it was uh, covered covered again later on by Rare Earth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and Rare Earth is a lovely, lovely hint or, or bridge to Russ Ballard. They also yeah. did uh, Dancer from
0: Russell's at the third stroke album.
3: I've got it to say, uh, just, just
0: an observation for me. Um, uh, if, if Trevor is the lead singer in, in, in the Bee Gees with the, with the Gibb brothers in the background, he must yeah. have been pretty damn good. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> Yeah, he was a little bit, he had a softer voice than me. That's why the Cliff Richard uh, thing came in. That's why Barry said Cliff Richard. I don't think he really meant that in a horrible way. Sorry, Cliff Richard. Um, But um, he had a sweeter voice, let's say, maybe. Um, But we worked together great, you know, when we uh, did uh, our recording with uh, the marbles because of our difference in the voices when we did harmonies, backing harmonies and stuff like that. I think we blended together really well, you know. the people in England used to say uh, we were like the British uh, righteous brothers. That was the deal.
3: So because.
2: Two different voices, if you remember. One had the high voice, and the other guy had the richer voice, um, which is uh, quite a compliment. Um, So we only made two records together. We did that um, Only One Woman, which was followed by uh, uh, The Walls Fell Down, which is another track that uh, Barry wrote. But um, in Australia, when when Trevor was living in Australia, and the Bee Gees were all in Australia too, Trevor would send me o- over these 45, uh, singles on the lead and label. And, uh, there it was Trevor Gordon and the Bee Gees. And I used to play them and go, wow, this is incredible. And, uh, I said to my cousin, when I spoke to him on the phone or something, you know, who, who are these guys? He said, well, you'd love them Graham. They're very much like the Beatles, uh, blah, 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 et cetera. And I said, yeah, well, the, the records are great. He said, but we don't have much equipment, uh, to play when we record. So, uh, Morris used to use a regular guitar and tune it down as much as he could to get, a, <laughs> to get a bass sound. He would put like the sixth string of a guitar, you know, on his guitar. One, two, three, four, make four, you know, so it's like a bass. So the bass is very twangy. But of course, later on, uh, Morris began, began uh, you know, playing bass seriously with really nice guitars. And uh, he's a really good bass player. I really liked the way he played. But um, they were in the raw state and I heard this this stuff from uh, my cousin, from Australia. And then suddenly later on, there on the radio, I hear um, a song by the Bee Gees. And they became huge, I couldn't believe it. Trevor K, when that happened, my cousin, who was still in Australia at this time, the Bee Gees were in England when they started to become well known, and uh, Trevor came over to England. He came to live with me and my mom and dad, and we sort of formed a little band together, which was the band that went to the Revolution Club in London, da 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 da, where the Bee Gees' ex-manager was, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so um, it's been a it's been a, a really great journey, and um, I'm very grateful to my cousin, especially for saying. My cousin sings, too, to Barry, you know. It was something that uh, I never expected would happen. I never thought I'd ever meet the Bee Gees. I thought probably Trevor was going to go join the Bee Gees again or something. I didn't really know. And it it was like, like, ah, you know, what's happening? Next thing we know, we're on top of the Pops. And I was uh, really, really excited. It was such a good time.
0: Well, we're going to fast forward a little bit because we've got so much yeah. to go through and we are mindful behind. your time. But, but uh, fast forward to 1979 um, and and when you replaced Ronnie James Dio uh, in this band called Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, or Rainbow. Um, oh. and, and of course, you know, this is the Voices of Russ Ballard podcast. We're going to ask you about a song that you've been asked about a million times um, called Since You've Be Gone, which, by the way, was nominated for a Grammy which unfortunately lost <laughs> out to Barbie. And listen said about that, the better. Um, However, um what was your first thoughts when you came when you recorded that song? And and you, you know, which has yeah. been previously covered by by Head East, although you may not have known that at that time. What yeah, yeah. did you did you feel it was magical at the time, or did it just you you made it magical in the studio? How did you feel? Well, you know, nobody liked it,
2: and uh, I remember it was like the last thing. The band uh, Rainbow wanted to record. I remember Cozy uh, walking around going, We're not going to sing that. We're not going to record that f- fucking Since You Been Gone, are we? Are we? Are we? <laughs> it was very, we had a copy of that uh, by a band called Cloud, which was a girl band. And they did the yeah. thing. And it was very sort of poppy. It was, since You Been Gone, Since You Been Gone, Out of My Head. Hey, do the below. It was very, you know, um, just silly. And I thought, well, you know, the manager um, of the band of Rainbow said, look, you need to be radio friendly to, the, to us all. You know, nobody wanted to do it. So it's like the last thing we did almost. And uh, so Cozy played that very angrily because he didn't want to. And, um, you know, it came out really good. And I was very surprised how it came out myself. And I can listen to it now and go, that's not a bad song. That's a fucking good song. Look what it did, you know. Suddenly Rainbow is on the radio just, just about everywhere in the world because of that one song that Russ wrote. me. We did a good version of it. There's no doubt about it. And Russ would tell it himself that's his favorite version. He said that to yeah. me. He said that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no,
0: no. If you hear the version on, on the winning album, it's 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 totally different. Now, Sven likes it because it's got the da 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 don't you, Sven? <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the, oh, the oh,
1: original, oh, the original oh. from Russell is really uh, I really love this this poppy section. This yeah. Like huh? name, it was also very poppy, but it's so yeah. funny to hear that Cozy Porwell didn't didn't really like the song because he mm-hmm. <laughs> had to play it even in the 90s <laughs> as he was part yeah. of the Brian May band. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. about so uh yeah, Brian May used to come to Brian May used to come to we played in Wembley, we did uh, two nights at uh, the uh Wembley Arena. And he was there both nights, he came to see us and it was like, oh, wow, you know, him and Roger. And uh, it was incredible that he was a big fan of Rainbow and I thought, bloody hell. And he, he said to, um, he said to us, he said, um, he said, you know, that's the best live concert I've ever seen. And he's in Queen, for Christ's sake, you know. Yeah. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's that is, that is really, that is really Quite cool. a compliment. Let me just say that, you know. Uh, our listeners will kill us if we don't ask you. Uh, and you were you were talking about it before we came on air, as such. Mm-hmm. Which was the you know Richie Richie getting annoyed because you cut your hair or and and stuff like that. And 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 before you, I, I mean, feel free to tell me. I know again, and you've told this story so many times. However. Mm-hmm. I I think I think I I when I was doing my research and we we both did our research for this uh today we I, I personally think you you fair play to you for being your own man you know what I mean rather than just towing the party line, um so tell us a little bit more about your through process because this was your this was your I, I don't know you know thrust into big into a big band guaranteed to sell albums to sell out shows mm-hmm. and then you did something like that which. Is unusual to say the least. Well, I have my hair
1: cut. Well, I have-
0: not and you not 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 having your hair cut per se, but I guess you know, it, as you say, it was the time of spandex and and all that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. It was never you because you were far too cool for that. I absolutely, because I always thought that
2: it looked like clowns, you know. It, it, to me, uh, you know, the guys wearing women's clothes and growing their hair really long and all that stuff and putting on lips, it was not what I thought was manly and also I, I thought the music was pretending to be heavy and really wasn't all, all that kind of stuff uh, but i mean that didn't happen in rainbow the guys were excellent musicians that was the difference between them uh and other bands you know which were sort of trying to be heavy but they really weren't and i stuck to it because to the way i was because that's me and uh I said to, you know, when I went for the audition with uh, Rainbow, I sang this song with them and uh, they said, well, the job's yours. I did an audition song. And they wanted me to be in the band. And I, I flew back, I was living in London at the time, flew back to London I said to my manager, I don't think I'm right for this band, you know. They're all sort of long hair and all the rest of it. And um, I don't, I don't look like them for a start. I'm not singing any differently to what I've always done on my own recordings, like R&B and pop stuff. But uh, they wanted me in the band, and um, he said, well, Graham, you've got to go back and have another go. So I went back to um, start recording with uh, Roger Glover, and, um, well, it became what it became. But uh, uh, all the time, Richie had this thing about hair, you know, it, always. It was, what the, and uh, we probably know why, uh, which I won't mention, but, but yes, I will. Uh, Richie was losing his so. hair. And uh, he always had this, um, you know, uh, extension thing happening for him, and I don't think he'd, he'd mind me saying that now because it's so damn obvious. But everybody does that anyway now. And um, he had a thing about it. Um, there was—I uh, remember, <laughs> I remember one night after we'd done a gig. You know, uh, Don Airy came up to me. He said to me, "Do you know we're the only two that have hair in this band for real?" <laughs> it was kind of funny, you know.
0: Uh, but um, exclusive, was- exclusive on the voices of Ross Ballard, Richie Blackmore. Hair today, gone tomorrow. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just silly.
2: yeah, it was silly, you know. And he wanted me to grow my hair, and I remember when I was on the road, you know, been on the road for a month or two or whatever, and my hair was getting long, you know, mm. well not long, but a bit longer. And Richie was, I remember sitting in the restaurant one day, and he's looking at my hair, and he's going, "Yeah, that's it, that's it, that's the way your hair should look," kind of thing. And uh, I thought, what the fuck? And I was with uh, my ex-wife at the time, a bit sitting at this table. And a couple of days later, I went and got my hair cut because I knew it was starting to look scruffy. When you have short hair, you've got to have it cut constantly, you know. Otherwise, it just looks nothing. Graham, but anyway, you would
0: never be scruffy uh, in a million years. And even now, talking to us, which the listeners can't see, but you, you you don't look scruffy at all. Um, um, and which, which reminds me of something. Uh, is it true you wore red cords at the at the Donington gig, which is Cozy's last gig, I think, with Rainbow, wasn't it?
2: And a red shirt, uh, red cords, and a off-white um, jacket. That's what I wore. I, I remember it. And um, it was uh, what a day that was. <laughs> and uh, people were kind of going, "Oh, Graham, you very colourful all of a sudden. What's happened?" You know, because I actually used to wear sort of dark stuff, you know. But um, yeah, red corduroys. Fantastic. I like quarter pants, I've still got some now. I wear them all the time. I-, I just want to say something about Russ. When he was in the roulettes with Adam Faith and I saw them on something or the Top of the Pops or whatever it was, I thought, who is that guy with the dark glasses? I thought, he looks so good. It's Russ, you know. That was the first time I've seen a band with a guy wearing glasses, but dark glasses, you know, because John Lennon always, t- he never wore glasses when he was mm. on stage back then. But there he was. He looked so cool. I thought, "That's what a great image." And it was Russ. You know, yeah, Uninten- unintentionally,
1: really Russ was was Russ was kind of a rock star in his early days. You know, yeah, unintentionally, yeah. just because of his eye, he he had to wear the dark glasses, but he yeah. always looked so super cool.
2: Yeah, it did. I, I thought, That's really,
0: awesome. yeah. Well, I've got to do that too. You know, but I don't want to lose an eye or anything, but yeah. Well, we don't always want to talk about since you've been gone. The other, the other big track, obviously on that album. Or, well, there's lots of big tracks on that album. On the, on the Down to Earth album, we're talking about by Rainbow, of course, featuring Graham Bonnet, um, is the track All Night Long. Is that is that a favourite of yours to sing? Um, yeah. I, I've heard you sing it on stage a few times or live albums, etc. You seem yeah. to be singing it. Would I be right? Yeah,
2: yeah, I, yeah. I like that song. It's got some funny words, but I like the song because. Uh, I was a bit more involved in that song myself because I was given a rough idea by Richie who played me this thing on his acoustic Mm -hmm. one afternoon after we finished recording. And he said, I've got this idea. He said, you know, that um, uh, that song, I think it was written by the Rolling Stones, I'm not sure, that's uh, for Chris uh, Farlow. you thought you were a clever girl out of time is it out of time i tired of you my baby my sweet old fashioned baby out of time baby 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 you're out of time wow. and when played this on his acoustic he said you know that song he said well can you do a melody something like that so you're walking up with your eyes on me <laughing> You know, it was pretty much the same. But uh, then we had a, a chorus, which is totally different. But I changed it a little bit, but I was involved with the melody of that, that one more than anything on the other ones, I think, you know. But it, uh, it worked out well and the crowds still love it to this day, you know, the crowds, the people. Wow, Joss, this
1: is really the highly successful album. It it was more or less your breakthrough as as rock singer. And uh, if, if I can say
0: it, it's after after your stint with Rainbow. Ian, your turn. Jolyn Turner came along and sang another Ross Ballard song called I Surrender. I which surrender. you originally yeah. went in and sang, I think, Graham, didn't you? I surrender. I surrender I'm up I'm pretending.
2: I'm pretending. Yeah, I I, I um it was a time when I thought Rainbow was actually going to go down the shitter because we're in uh, Copenhagen and rehearsing for the next album and nobody turned up, uh, you know, to write songs at this studio we are in. Uh, one day there'd be three of us there, next day there'd be one of us there, probably me and Don Airy, and uh, Richie never came. He, Where's Richie? Oh, he gone shopping. Oh, okay then. And so Roger Glover said, well, we might as well start on the Russ Ballard song. I said, okay, well, that's the only song we have, right? Yeah, that's all we had was his song. And so I went and did the backing vocals. <laughs> 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 uh, um, yeah, so yeah, went and did the backing vocals, and Rod said, yeah, that's cool. You, you know, I was know like, yeah, we did it in a, an hour or whatever. And um he said, well, okay, should we go shopping now? No, it was just like nothing was happening. And um, that was the only song we had. No songs were written until much later. And I put down a vocal to something and I recognize it now. Uh, It can't happen here. It's a song called Can't Happen Happen Here. Yeah, I, that was my melody. I remember not words, but just the melody in one of our mm-hmm. uh, songwriting sessions, and because uh, we recorded everything, and I thought, wait a minute, I've heard that before somewhere, and uh, that was that was mine, you know. But I didn't make up any words or anything. Whoa.
1: fast forward again. You recorded a solo album in nineteen eighty one lineup and yeah. really really clever you chose two ballad tracks on it. So one was Liar and the other one was SOS. What yeah. a track. What a track.
2: Yeah, I like. Yeah, we still play that. We play it. We, in fact, uh, we're going into rehearsal soon for the GB band, and that's one of my favourite ones. I love that the way the attack on the drums. I think goes this playing, <laughs> playing on that. He goes over the top, and um, yeah, those two songs are um, two of my favourites. In fact, uh, Russ Russ used to come to some of the recordings on, on that album. To come and watch or whatever. Then one day he said to me, Um, he said, Why don't you do uh Be My Baby? I said, What, what do you mean? You know, he said, Be my, be my baby. And he went over to the piano and Pip, Pip Williams our producer was there and he said, Why don't you just record it now? So Ross played piano on uh Be My Baby, and we did it that afternoon, and it's kind of cool. And uh the out yeah. al- I love that album, I really like because those players on that album you right? can't ask for better. I mean, I was just so lucky to have yeah. all the incredible instrumentalists, you know. They were the best. Um, you know, which, which Lord, is John know. Lord was
0: on that album, wasn't he? John Lord? Sorry? John Lord was on that album. And John and
2: uh, Cozy, uh, Cosy obviously, and uh, Don Airy, and et cetera, et cetera. It's stunning to see that Cozy Paul was on the album. I mean,
1: Cozy was also, as, as you were, really busy back in the days, you know. Cozy released his first album, his first solo album in 1980. And oh no, it was 1979 to be correct. In 1979, he released Over the Top. Uh, you Were Busy with Rainbow. He also was busy with Rainbow. In nineteen eighty-one, you come up with Lineup. He's playing his incredible drums on lineup and also is releasing a new solo album called Tilt. This guy was yeah, yeah. was, was everywhere,
2: which is amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I look back now and I think uh, Cozy Powell, a drummer, had had hit uh, records in the on top of the pops. Like yeah, before. it had um, the the what's your the devil something dance with that the devil.
0: No, 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 no,
2: no, no. I, who could do that with a Cozy Pal? Yeah, the drum. It His, was, was he,
3: he's
1: a Cozy Pal. That's who he is. But, mate, yeah, I, cozy Paul was. So um, he was incredibly busy with you and, and your lineup album. And yeah, the thing is, Cozy has a very specific sound. You always yeah. know it's Cozy.
3: Yeah.
1: I say, very... this, I say roughly the same of Brian May. You yeah. always know that this is Brian May playing the guitar. And also with Cozy, it's mm-hmm. Cozy because he's he's hammering the drums in such a hard way. And he gave your album something really special. It's in it. in terms of um in terms of liar, did you have the Argent version or the three dog night version in mind as you Recorded the song.
2: I uh, just uh, did it, you know. I I didn't hear any other versions. Wow, so, that's well, no I didn't, idea. I didn't know Three Dog Night did it till years later uh, when I was <laughs> band here in uh, Alcatraz. Our producer used to produce Three Dog Night, and he said and he played me it. I said, "Oh bloody hell! I didn't I didn't know they'd done it. <laughs> I had no idea." So it was sung to me by uh, our. Producer, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. um i hadn't heard the other version so that was my interpretation you know so- and it, it
1: was fabulous it was fabulous it's really hard um, but also fits perfectly into yeah the time of 1981 and mm. and your voice i mean um i was always really a huge fan of your of your voice uh it's incredible but we will talk about this later. I think Ian, you you always wanted to ask a Russ Ballard specific question. Well, to
0: I, there's a question about about SOS that I wanted to ask, which was um, the the. <laughs> Right, so when it came to you, written by the great man, um, did 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 Russ, you know, you sort of write in the lyrics, do 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 do, or was that something you improvised, or a little bit of both?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I uh, when we were recording, I um, I called him up. I said because uh, he had a different do 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 No, it wasn't that. Um, he um, he said I said I don't know what the fuck it is, Graham. <laughs> I said just just make. It. I don't know what it is. Don't don't matter. Just fill in that gap, you know. So I just thought, you know, uh, whatever. I was thinking of, uh, I think at the time, I was thinking of Crosby, Stills and Nash. They had a a thing that had a similar riff in it. Um, Uh, Yeah, I can't think what song it is now. But I sort of had that idea in my head and then make it into a a chord of like a sixth or something like that. Yeah, sixth chord. So it was, um, you know, like a jazz chord. And da 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 yeah, it was just, I just made it up. I love it, it. Absolutely. Cool. And it's kind of fit, you know, and that's another song we sing now. And uh, we do now and it's, uh, we always end with that. You know, we end with that and it so, stops. Like, what the fuck happened? So we end up with that particular vocal doing that sound. And it's uh, kind of cool that we end a song like that. Not with a big... Tire!
0: You know, before we leave lineup, I've got to say something else that I spotted on um, on social media or YouTube to be exact was you appearing on Tiswas?
3: Saturday, Saturday.
0: Now, no. now for a lot of our listeners, they won't know what the hell I'm talking about when I talk about Tiz Was, but Tiz Was, let me explain very briefly, was a bre- was a Saturday morning breakfast supposedly children's TV program uh, that was running against uh, Noel Edmund's Swap Shop, um, but that was on ITV, fronted by Chris Tarrant, And but the adults watched it more than the kids because there were like custard pies going in people's faces and all sorts of that, and Graham was on there showcasing that's the way it is. Um oh. and and Sally James was talking to you about the album. So if you want to see that on YouTube, uh, dear listener, it's quite funny to to see. But you if you don't know about Tiswas, it might get lost in the translation. Do you remember that, Graham?
2: Oh, yeah, I do. Because um, you know, the green slime. Yeah, the uh, green slime. It, it yes. was, was, I, I went into the green slime after the show was over. <laughs> I remember going home with the uh, green feet. It was um. Yeah, right. I had like white sneakers on and they were totally green and uh, I remember I was on the train, I was soaked and got on the train straight after the show kind of thing to go back to London and uh, yeah that was uh, that was interesting because Cozy did that and Robert Plant was on that show there's a whole bunch of people that you think would never be on the kids show you know, but um, they did it because it was good promotion for whatever they were doing at the time and that's mm-hmm. why why we did it not because we love kids show because it was a self-promotion
0: you know
2: but um Brilliant. that's the
0: evil side well, of it <laughs> well let, let's move on to a little band called alcatraz and uh you you shared some exciting news recently um via your social media page which Beth and me was telling us a little bit beforehand uh please yeah. do go to graham's uh, facebook page and show yourself on there and, and follow it Because it's there's lots of good stuff on there, Um, and basically is some exciting news about that's what Graham will tell us about uh, Graham Bonnet's Alcatraz. Um, But uh, you know that was around the 80s, I think, when when you founded Alcatraz. Would that be right? Ian
1: just mentioned in the 80s you founded Alcatraz and you released so many albums you were so busy with Arcatras. you were also very busy with your solo stuff and uh b- between 2000 and 2015 it it was kind of a little quiet around you and then all of a sudden you returned with my kingdom come which was amazing to to listen to um is yeah. it right Question Graham is something Russell told me once. Is yeah. it right that you said to Russell, I need a new song? I want something which sounds a little bit like Queen, and he came up with my. Yeah, new <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He, knew, he knew what I was talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there you go. A little bit he like knows yeah. you, something like that, you know, which is kind of hard and hits and has harmony in it, blah blah blah. He knew what to do. Perfectly. Absolutely. He's a clever bloke. He really is. I mean, he always writes something. Um, he knows my voice very well, Ross, you know, he has a similar, he has a similar way of singing. There's something about me and him that is sort of like at uh, the same timbre, uh, the same um, uh, sort of, I don't know, inflections in the voice. And he takes it where I would, he knows where I would go singing wise. So when he sends me a track, I always know it's going to suit me perfectly. Because he has this, he feels what I do when he sings. You know, he sings yeah. in a similar, way. T- a totally different voice. I know, but um, it's just something about he knows how to write for me.
3: Search was something I've been told Worth more than silver, more than gold When I find it, my kingdom come I wanna shout to the
0: Tell us a, bit, a little bit, this is a good, I think, time to talk about Alcatraz 2.0, as you described it in your piece, uh, if I may, um, with Jeff and, and Van, etc. Please, Please tell us or tell our listeners a little bit more about the, the news that you shared recently.
2: Yeah, we're going to start recording together in about, yeah, in about a month, probably. But um, Jeff sent me a bunch of uh, tracks, like, last year. And so, so I have written with him, seven tracks with lyrics and melody. Um, now we've got another three to do before we have a complete album. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to um, getting on that as soon as possible because I think we've got a really good bunch of songs there. Well, I think uh, if you like Alcatraz or Grand Bonnet Band or Rainbow or whatever you like, Michael Shanker, da, 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 you'll find a bit of everything in, in these songs. It's pretty heavy though. Uh, You know, I mean, Jeff is a great guitar player, he's incredible, um, but he's not one of those guys that just widdly widdly's for the sake of it, you know, he doesn't just do that because it's there and he can do it, he really Mm -hmm. plays the song, and not many people do that. Inveil Malmsteen, he, he did that, he could play all that fancy, you know, but he also played the song which is what um, uh, Jeff does. He creates the song. He's got great arrangements. So it gives me lots of room to make up nice melodies, I hope, and uh, a story, you know, some lyrics to it. Because it doesn't just go, you know, and here comes the verse, and here comes the chorus, and here comes the verse again. Oh, no! You know, everything's a little bit different. And he plays magnificently. I've got to say that. He's a great guy, and Van is a great drummer. My God. You know, how, how many great people can I have around me? It always happens. They always seem to appear from nowhere. But, but I hear about these great players and I go, how good are they? And then I find out and fuck, oh yeah. <laughs> when I met him and know what he played, I was just blown away. He's incredible.
0: Probably unfair to ask you at this early stage, but because I know you're just about to go into the recording studio very soon. Do you see the band touring at all?
2: Well the, the with the the Alcatraz thing yes. I don't know. No. I, I really don't know. It depends how it goes, you know, from people hearing it. Uh but my main my main baby is of course my own band. Of course. And I've got to start recording that. We got to start some recording too. And that the Graham the, the Bonnet band is the most important to me, but at the same time, mm. you know, we can get if we can get a job with this other band, we will absolutely do it, you
1: know. But sounds I don't, good. Sounds pretty really good. Again, you are you are way too you are way too busy, and the the Graham Bonnet band yeah. really, really I
2: mean, important. I don't know. I, I don't know. It all depends. You know, who knows? It might just totally flop. I I've got no idea what's going to happen, but I have a feeling that people when when they hear these songs we've made up so far, me and Jeff, I think they're going to go, oh yeah, you know. It's a continuation of where I've been before, you know. And now he goes on to this, but it won't be utterly foreign. It will be have that same sound of Alcatraz, but better.
0: Well, I think we're going to call a halt there. Um, that's the end of part one of our brilliant conversation with the one and only Graham Bonnet, and he—we caught him in a, such a good mood. He was great fun, wasn't he, Sven?
1: Oh, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, we heard really cool stories, but I can promise you, in part
0: two, the stories will be even cooler. More to come, more to come. So, join us. I hope you enjoyed the end of the end of part one. I hope you enjoyed part one, and <laughs> that is the end of part one. And we look forward That to is the end. It is the end. It's the end, yeah. We look forward to welcoming you back to the Voices of Russ Ballard very soon for part two. Hi,
2: this is Russ Ballard, and you're listening to the Voices of Russ Ballard podcast.